Open your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 3. We began a, a, a series a couple weeks ago on the fivefold revelation of grace that was given to the Apostle Paul. And he said that it had been a mystery that was hidden from all ages. So we're looking at a secret. We're looking at a mystery. And that mystery has been given to us. And so we see in Ephesians chapter 3, let's pick up in verse 8. Paul says, although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Everybody say, thank God for unsearchable riches. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, say, through me, through us, through the church, the body of Christ, and that means me, the manifold wisdom of God, the multi-sided, uh, multi-purpose and expression of God's uh, wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished, everybody say, in Christ, in Christ Jesus our Lord. God did all this for us. It's his grace, his marvelous grace, his amazing grace, his wonderful grace, his unmerited favor that he shows to us. When we receive it, it is even his desire. He gives us, he gives us the desire and the power to do his will. He calls us to do his will, and then he even gives us desire and power to do his will. That's pretty amazing. I mean, he equips us. He gives us what's necessary to be successful and effective for him. There's, we should, there's no room to gripe or complain or excuses to be made. Oh, God, I just couldn't. I couldn't do that. That was more than I could do. He is saying, no, my grace was sufficient for you. So the grace that he gives to us is more than enough. It's, it's, uh, to, uh, it's, it's sufficient to do whatever he's called us to do. He'll never call you to do anything that his grace can't sustain you and enable you to do that. So whatever he's called you to do, if it seems to be too big, just say, Lord, thank you for your grace. I need more grace. Paul, many times throughout his writings, he says, for by the grace given me, I, and then he says, I did such and such. Or he'll say, for the grace given you, and so he talks about that. We need to be able to, we need to start using his grace more. Probably the greatest unused resource that we have available to us is, is prayer, but uh, probably the, the next greatest unused resource that's been given to us is his grace. And we need to start using that grace to accomplish what he's called us to do. Don't make an excuse and say, I can't. Or, or something like that, because you can. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. And he gives us that strength through his grace. As we've looked at this grace, and as we're looking at it, we've seen already that uh, it expresses itself in saving grace. And we see the favor of God. And we looked at justification, where God declares the believing sinner to be righteous based upon what Jesus did, not on what we did. And the old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. God declared, he created you to be uh, a new creation. And he takes your record and he wipes it away and gives you a, a new record, declares that. Amen, it's a pardon. And so we've been saved. We have been saved from the penalty and guilt of sin. The next thing that we looked at was liberating grace, where we see the freedom of grace. Now then, I'm free from sin and death. 
I'm free not to do what I want to do, but free to do what I ought to do. I'm free to do what he's called me to do. And Paul even says, whom the Son says free is free indeed. So we are free indeed. We are really free. Free to do what we ought to do in Christ. This morning I want us to look at enabling grace. Grace that enables us to do what God called us to do and how he goes about doing that. We'll see the finesse of grace, how he fine-tunes everything and places it just perfectly in the body of Christ. And we saw that uh, when we receive Christ, that Christ is in us. The hope of glory is what Paul said. Now we also know that we are in Christ. When we become a new creation, God takes us, the believing sinner, and he immerses us into the body of Christ. That's really called the baptism of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit baptizes us or takes us and immerses us, places us into the body of Christ. Amen? And we're to be filled with the Spirit too. We'll talk about that some a little later on. But So now then we are in Christ, a new creation. Christ is in us, the hope of glory, the expectation of his character to be manifest through us. And then we are in him, a new creation. And in him we can do all kinds of things. It's exciting what he says. I want you to look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and then verse 2. Paul kind of restates his purpose. He told the Ephesians what his purpose was there in Ephesians chapter 3.10. Let's see how he repeats it to the Colossians. In verse 2 he says, My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have a, the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's some more of those treasures that are hidden, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul said, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart. You know, when God was calling me to come to Alvin, Texas, when I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, on my face before God, shaking my head and screaming and shouting and grabbing a hold of everything I could to say, no, 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 no. I, I, I figured that this wasn't the end of the world, but I knew I could see it from here. And so from Tulsa, you know, I was like, well, I don't want to leave here. You know, we, we love it here. We love it here. Well, I can't imagine being anyplace else. As we go through Tulsa, I think, Lord, what did I ever see here? You know, I lo- thank you. I love where we are. I love Alvin, Texas. Thank you for your calling on my life. But at that time, I couldn't. And I thought he was punishing me or something like that. But I said, okay, then, Lord, what is it that we're supposed to do? He said, I want you to go and establish my people. Raise up an army of believers who are being encouraged in heart, united in love, and experiencing the full riches of complete understanding. I go, okay. Well, you know what? That's kind of what, that's exact. That's, God hasn't changed his purpose for the message going forth since he gave this purpose to Paul. Paul said, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. You know, the more we learn about him, the more that we experience Christ, you know, we, we see him in just greater dimensions. Like Christian Center, the purpose of Like Christian Center is that people can come and be encouraged in heart. Usually, when someone comes to Like Christian Center, they've come through something or they're going through something. How many of you would say, that's right, it seemed like when I first came here, I was going through something. Amen. And uh, so it's, it's a place to be encouraged in heart. And so there are phases, when you, be, when you start coming to Life Christian Center, you become a part of this body, 
it, there's, are, there's phases that you go through. The first phase is to be, be encouraged in heart. It's a time of refreshing and renewal and just to allow God to pour into you, to encourage you, to strengthen you. The second thing is to unite you together and you begin to become united together and, and God begins to place you together and you begin to fellowship one with another and you begin to, uh, to know people and, and, and relate to the different members of, of Light Christian Center. And so you begin united and you realize that, that that unity really is in the love of God, not so much something else. It's not necessarily programs or, or this or that, but it's really just the love that God puts within each believer. Amen? United, uh, united in love. And then you begin to experience things that you haven't experienced before. When you begin to hear the word, it's like it's fresh, it's new, and you begin to experience that word, and it becomes alive in you. Well, that's a phase. So after a while, though, that kind of starts to wear off. Have you ever noticed that? You kind of get excited, and then it's like, okay, kind of come down. So what are you ready for? You're ready for that cycle again, to be encouraged in heart and united in love and experience some more riches of, complete, of understanding of what his word says. If you ever get off of that cycle, you're going to fall by the wayside. <laughs> you're going to just feel so uh, empty and, and just, uh, you know, Satan will beat you up. It's a constant cycle. It's something, it's a renewal in our life. It's like the seasons that we, we go through. It's like, isn't this wonderful? Fall is great. Hey, I'm encouraged. <laughs> I'm experiencing things I've been looking for, you know, through all that hot summer. I'm, you know, beginning to experience this. You know, I knew that it was going to get cooler. Now I'm getting, I'm experiencing it, you know. And so it, it's a cycle that we are encouraged in heart, united in love, and experience. Then we experience the full riches of complete understanding. Tap in there someplace, whatever it is that you need right now in your life, get on that cycle. If, it's being, if you've come to a certain point of being encouraged, then if you don't take that next step and begin to be united together, get involved and unite together and get our men's class or women's class or get, get involved in some particular way, then that encouragement, you're just kind of like, you've heard it and you just like, you get information overlogged. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever maybe searched the internet or studied or done something and right at first it's kind of exciting but pretty soon it's like okay I this is this is all I can take I got to go do something else it's like I'm tired I'm fatigued you know you can come and you can be encouraged but there's a point of where you got to take that next step on up now and be united together when you begin to do that it becomes a part of you and that that unity of the body begins to encourage you and begins to pull you and you begin to see you know what somebody else is going through or has gone through what I went through. And that's encouraging. I was never so encouraged in my life to find out that somebody else had already gone through a problem that I was experiencing. It was good news to me because I thought, first I thought I was all alone and why am I going through this and why me, why me? And I thought, oh, oh, that's no big deal. That must be natural. <laughs> Other people have gone through this. They survived. Then that same grace that helped them survive can help me survive. That's encouraging. That's why it's good to testify. That's why it's good to fellowship. That's why it's good to, to get to know one another, united together in love, because then you begin to see that other people have gone through some things you're going through. And then you can share the different things that where you're overcoming and where you're growing, and that encourages them. You shouldn't come to church just to suck air and grow old <laughs> or look pretty. You ought to come to be an encouragement to somebody. When you're not here, who's going to take your place? Who's going to take that place? Because you're encouraged. Just who you are in your presence, God has designed it to be an encouragement to somebody else. 
at least to your pastor. I'm encouraged when I see you show up. Amen. But you're an encouragement. And then you begin that next phase of, of understanding. You walk into an area of, of revelation. It's like, wow, I never knew that before. It's, it's been there all along, but why didn't I see that? And then you make changes in your life. And you thought, I can't believe that I never saw that. Or why in the world did I ever live like that? Or make that decision or do this or do that? And we begin to experience now the full riches of understanding God's word, of a revelation that's come to us. You know, you can, the word really is, as, as it says, quick and powerful. It's alive. And it divides, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides the soul and the spirit separates our soul from our spirit where our spirit then can be empowered through revelation of God's word and faith that comes from it to tell our soul to get with it you can make it you can overcome or or don't live like this anymore soul be encouraged so that we can be encouraged in, in heart so Paul says my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This enabling grace, God's grace takes on the form of enabling in the sense that he gives to us the very ability to do what he needs us to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's turn there, and let's read then how Paul begins to express this enabling grace as he describes the body of Christ. Remember, Christ is in us, but now we are in Christ. Provisionally, we are in the body of Christ, the universal body of Christ, the church. But also, then, we make it real and practical in Christ in the body, the local body. See, you're a member of the, the universal church of the Lord Jesus Christ, here all over. And uh, by the way, we have 24 churches in Africa now. Through Tanz Tanzania uh, and Uganda and Kenya. I was uh, corresponding with Pastor James yesterday. Isn't that exciting? That started out with us going to a hospital outside of Machakos, Kenya, where some boys had an orphanage where some boys had been, uh, a fire happened and they were all in the hospital, and us just simply going in and praying with them and then doing clinics, and that started in 1999 and now has produced pastors in these areas in 24 churches. It's amazing. If they only had 100 in each church, that'd be 2,400 people in that body. But I, they got a lot more than just 100 in each church. Amen. So that's part of Light Christian Center. You know, we're meeting here. They're meeting over there. That's just part of it. So we are members together with the universal body, but we, we express that in the local body by being a member in this body, the local body. So Paul says... In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, he said the body is a unit. I'm reading from the New International Version. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. Now just kind of look around, you know, and you'll see different parts of the body of Christ seated, seated, here, seated here today. He said, um, though the parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. Now, I know some of you are trying to figure out who's the armpit, who's the big toe. <laughs> you know, uh, so verse 13, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. Here we go. Baptized simply means immersed or placed into. We were all baptized by one spirit 
into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, can I pause here just for a second? I was at a conference at Second Baptist Church, and so I went down, we had a break at lunchtime, and went down to their uh, little cafe thing called the Second Helping. I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, so there I was with a whole cafe full of Baptists. And so they were talking, and everybody's introducing themselves and telling what church they're from. They said, what church are you from? And I said, uh, Light Christian Center. And they said, oh, really? Well, uh, where's that? I said, Alvin, Texas. So what kind of church is that? I said, man, it's a great church. <laughs> and uh, uh, I said, it's an awesome church. And, and they said, really? Oh, okay. Um, well, what do you all believe? I said, man, we believe in the Bible. <laughs> I said, we believe in the Word of God. And they go, great. <laughs> you know, they're trying to figure me out. They want to put a label on me, right? You know, they want to put a little tag on me. So I knew where they were going. So after a while, I said, um, I said, well, you know, I said, the, the difference between us, I said, I, main, the main difference between us is that uh, y'all don't understand the work of the Holy Spirit like uh, we do. They said, why's that? I said, well, first of all, I mean, you believe that when a person's saved, then they're baptized in the Spirit, right? Baptized by the Spirit, right? And because Pentecostals say, I'm baptized with the Holy Ghost, right? There's a difference in in and by by the way. And so I said, you believe that when a person is saved, they're baptized by the Holy Spirit, right? And they go, yeah. I said, we believe that. They go, you do? Said, Absolutely. It says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. So yeah, we got into Christ the same way you did. I said, the only difference is we know how to drink. <laughs> I said, we just read the rest of the verse. And they go, what? And I said, I said, when you baptize people, do you make them drink the, bapt the, the baptistry water? No, I said, we don't either. I said, there's something different in being baptized and drinking. I said, and we know how to drink. And they go, okay. And so, I, you know, I quoted the rest of that. We had a discussion and talked about being filled with the Spirit and how that being filled with the Spirit is different than being baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. Amen. When, you know, when you are baptized, you fill the baptistry. You know, because you go into it. But when you drink, whatever you're drinking fills you. And, you know, the other thing is that I have to talk to some Pentecostal groups and let them know that we believe that the Holy Spirit is not a force or a power that you get a hold of. Because some people, oh, I got a hold of the Holy Ghost. Okay. It's really not, he's not a force or a power that you get a hold of, he is a person of the Godhead that gets a hold of you. <laughs> and when he gets a hold of you, it's not always to just shout and jump about and do all those things. I mean, sometimes, you know, that's, that's part of it. But that's not all a part of it. I mean, we ought to be filled with the Spirit 24-7. And you can't just go around 24-7 like you're drunk, <laughs> Right? There's more than that. So we, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit in one of these uh, lessons. But Paul was saying here, he says in verse 13, 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Everybody getting that? Everybody understand what that is? You're placed into the body of Christ. You're immersed into him. Now he's in you. You know, the spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ is in us. Paul said, if the spirit of Christ be not in you, you're none of his. You're not of him. In verse 13, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, Texan or Okie. Uh, man, I thought TCU was going to beat Oklahoma. 
I was, I'm rooting for all these Texas teams. Even though I was born in Oklahoma, I just, I've been here longer. I'm a Texan. My dad was a Texan. I'm taking on his side. Hey, man, I was kind of hoping that TCU would beat OU. Don't tell any of my family that, though. They never listen to these podcasts, by the way. Can you all edit that out? <laughs> Jew or Greek, slave or free, whoever we are, aren't you glad for that? Young, old, you know, rich, poor, doesn't matter, all of us. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. One more thing about that. He doesn't force you to drink. He doesn't force feed you. He gives us the spirit to drink from. Verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand... I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Look at the finesse of grace, how he places each member of the body just as he wants us to be. You didn't, you didn't make that decision. God did. Now think about that. You have a specific part in the body of Christ that nobody else can fill. Now there might be two ears in the body and two eyes in the body and uh, they're going to see different things. Did you know you can close your right eye and you see certain things and you close your left eye and you see certain things. And maybe, you know, if you've had your eyes checked, one eye is 20-30 and one eye, the other eye is 20-20 or 20-10 or 20-60 or something like that. And they're seeing differently, but, they're, but when you look together with them, they're in, in unity, they're seeing more. They see more than what one eye could see. They are diverse in the sense that one sees one thing and one sees the other, but when they function in unity, unity, they see far more than what they could ever see just by one individual eye and then this individual eye, right? So he goes on to say that, uh, but in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. You shouldn't, Get mad at somebody because they don't see things the way you see them. Amen. Got two people that <laughs> like that. <laughs> We're not supposed to see everything the same. You know? I mean, even twins have, you know, different, different things, you know, that they see things differently in, in some ways. So he says that um, as it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You think, well, you know, I don't know, I don't do anything, but just, you know, I just open the door for people and just greet them when they come in. You are indispensable. Indispensable. You know, it talks about, uh, the Bible gives that impression that if you give a cup of cold water in the name of a prophet, even though you're not the prophet, you receive the prophet's reward because you're doing it in agreement. It's all part of one thing. It's the ministry together. It's all working together. So it says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are 
unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Isn't that amazing? So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Have you ever stumped your little toe? What are little toes for anyway? I mean, <laughs> just to snag things, you know, when, when you're barefoot. But boy, when that one part suffers, your whole body suffers, right? You know, so um, we all are part of this thing together. And verse 16 of, of Ephesians chapter 4, flip over there. The Lord really gave us this verse at the first of the year that it was going to be like a foundational verse for us to, to build off of and to remember. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16, it says, for him, uh, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God has placed each member in the body. And from him, then, as he's placed it, the whole body, then, is joined and held together by each supporting ligament. You're not supposed to be a strain ligament. You're not supposed to be a pain in the neck. <laughs> You're supposed to be a supporting ligament. Amen? Don't anybody look around at anybody. <laughs> Don't give them the wrong impression. You're to be a supporting ligament. And that's what holds us together. And it grows, it causes the church, the body of Christ to grow and build itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, the reason people get so bored in church is because they don't ever do anything in church. They said, you know, I'm just not being fed. Well, you fat thing, get up from the table and go do something. <laughs> get some exercise, you'll feel better. Have you ever had where you've been kind of, you haven't been able to go do anything and just maybe around the house or uh, when you just laid around or you, and you've just, just had a lazy day? And uh, maybe you're guilty if you raise your hand, but you know, if you just had a lazy day and you just kind of lay around, then you don't feel like doing anything, right? Well, if you do that, then you really don't feel like doing anything. It's just, I don't know what it is about our body. So if you don't do anything in the body of Christ, then you don't feel like doing anything. And then it's like, uh, well, what do you want to eat? I don't know. I'm just, you know, I don't even know what I want to eat. I'm just, I don't know. I'll get something somewhere, you know? It's like, well, are you hungry? Well, I think I'm hungry, but I don't know if I'm really hungry or not. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you don't, you don't know what you want to eat. You're tired. You don't want to go anywhere. Why? Because you haven't done anything, but you just kind of had a lazy day, and you just don't feel good. That's what happens in the body of Christ. When you don't do anything, after a while, you just don't feel like doing anything, and then it doesn't matter what's fixed or prepared for you to eat. Nothing tastes good because you just not you haven't done anything to be hungry, <laughs> right? I mean, you're just really not hungry, so nothing... You know, when you're really hungry, there's certain things that's like, wow, when you crave something, it's like, oh, that was so good. You know, like, like chicken fajitas at, at Papacitas, you know, dipped in that butter sauce. It's like, oh. And when you've been away from it so long, it's just like, yeah, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Bless your heart, y'all need to get out more. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, oh, that's so good, you know. But if you're just like, oh, no, nah, I don't want to drive clear over there to Papacitas and, 
<sighs> I'll just get something here. Yeah, go back and eat your old cereal. <laughs> you know, see how that see how that works for you. You know, because that's why I remember the time when, you know, Sandy and I had first got married, and there's things going on, and after a while, you know, I don't feel like going to church, and I was working wild shifts, you know, midnight to eight, and then four to midnight, and all this different stuff, and so there was times when I'd get off at eight o'clock on Sunday morning, so I had a good excuse, you know, I don't know, I need to go to bed and rest up and whatever, and after a while, you know, I just kind of got away from it, and once you kind of get away from it, one or two or three Sundays or something like that, then you really don't feel like going anymore, right? Start to get into another routine. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. You know, so it's like, well, you know what? I really don't need church anyway. I can just turn on the television and I'll listen to some good music and watch somebody, some preacher. They're all anointed anyway, so I'll, I'll just feed myself. After a while, you're too lazy to feed yourself, right? And it just doesn't work. God has designed the body to do something that's more than just this exchange of preaching. It's an exchange between the members of the body. And it's just being a part of the body. Being an active part of the body. It does something. And you feel alive. You feel, you know, like God is using you. And he is. You know, as you take these brown paper bags and you put groceries in them, that's part of the body. Because that will minister to somebody. And you're going to receive a reward for that. Your part is going to help in that and somebody's going to be blessed. I don't know about you, but there was a time in our life that we had first gone into ministry that things got pretty tough. And, you know, I told you my cream of mushroom soup story that, you know, the only thing in the pantry was cream of mushroom soup. And I ate some of it. I didn't know you were supposed to eat it. I thought it was just supposed to be there. I thought that was on the list to be in the pantry. <laughs> you know, and I thought I, it dawned on me, oh, my goodness, we must really be in trouble because I'm eating cream of mushroom soup you know man we must be hard up or something you know and I remember with sitting around with our kids and praying and we we told them that God's going to provide and it wasn't a couple hours later that there was a box of groceries on our porch don't know who brought it but God provided that and you don't talk about an encouragement so see whoever participated in that it's still a blessing today to me so as you participate even in that one thing then you're, you're getting a blessing and you're causing this body to be a part of what God's called us to do. So he says, uh, we're to be a supporting ligament and that causes the body to grow and build itself up in love as each part does its work. Here's the thing, in this body, this, uh, this grace uh, causes us to be a part of the body. It enables us to be a part of the body. And what we see is the uniqueness, we see the, uh, or the unity, we see the uniqueness and we see the usefulness of, uh, the, of members of the body. Uh, first of all, we're to be in unity. And we saw that what we just read there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The unity and oneness of the body. That was part of this grace revelation that how could we all get along? And from every social stratus and every, you know, uh, uh, nationality and various things like that. Paul said, you know, that we're all in Christ. And we're united one together and that we're a body and that we need every member, you know. That we need the, the armpit and we need the little toe and we need the eyes and we need the, every part of the body. So there's the unity of the body. Well, the next thing is the uniqueness of the body. This, you are unique in this body. God has placed you specifically. And even though you might kind of be like somebody else, you are still not like them completely. 
You are uniquely you, and God has uniquely placed you in the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, listen to this, how Paul begins to express about the ministry gifts, the spiritual gifts, that, uh, and begin to see them. There's so much confusion through the body about spiritual gifts. And some think it's only manifestation gifts, the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that's found uh, lower in 1 Corinthians 12. Some think it's, you know, um, the spiritual gifts of, of Ephesians chapter 4. When, but listen to what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. He says, there are different kinds of gifts. Everybody say different kinds of gifts. But the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. We see here three categories of spiritual gifts. We see the Holy Spirit gives some gifts. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Then it says different kinds of service, but the same Lord. The Lord Jesus is over the service gifts, the ministry gifts. He oversees those and delegates those. And then it says there are different kinds of workings or motivations or how that we are made up to do a certain job or do a certain work, but the same God works all of them in all men. So what we see is there's motivational gifts. God the Father is over that. And then there's ministry gifts. The Lord Jesus Christ is over the ministry gifts. And there's manifestation gifts that the Holy Spirit is over. Motivational gifts. Let's talk about that because that's what makes us unique. In, in Romans chapter 12, go to, from 1 Corinthians 12 to Romans 12, Let's look at a few verses here where the Apostle Paul begins to introduce this, bring it in, and begin to express it, that they begin to understand that we're all made up differently. Yet sometimes some are made up kind of alike, but yet there's other characteristics that make them unique only to themselves. We call them the motivational gifts in that that's what motivates you. We'll see, maybe you'll understand it as we go through it. Paul says in, in Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers... In view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves or offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't try to be something that the world is telling you that, oh, we ought to be like this person or you ought to be like this person. But wait a minute, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need to have our mind renewed, take in the word of God, renew our mind, and begin to discover who we are specifically in Christ Jesus. He says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now that's a good thing because in this life, we're to do the will of God. We're going to be rewarded one day, it tells us, that for doing the will of God. So when we are transformed and our mind is renewed and we begin to be who God's called us to be and be an active member in the body of Christ, then we're able to do God's will. Verse 3. Now notice how he phrases this. For by the grace given me, Paul says, by this favor and this, this uh, uh, you know, allotted part of his favor to do his will here in this area. He says, for by the, the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So don't think of your, 
of yourselves in a way that you shouldn't or more highly than you ought or whatever, but look, take an honest look at yourself and see who you are, what drives you, what motivates you. Be honest with yourself. See your weaknesses. See your strengths and your weaknesses. Bring them before God and let God help strengthen your weaknesses and then use your, the strengths that you have to blend them in with the body. And don't think of yourself that you're so high and you're above anybody else. No, we're all one together, right? And, you know, sometimes, well, I don't know why. It's, I'm the only one that sees that or does that or whatever. That's your gift. <laughs> don't worry about it. So he says, um, verse 4, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. We belong to Christ. And then he's given you to the body, one to another. We're all here to serve one another. I remember one Saturday night, I got a call. Actually, it was early in Sunday morning. It was about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning that my, my daughter had tried to commit suicide. And she was in the emergency room. And I went down and spent that night praying for her and different things. And here it got to be close to Sunday morning, 7, 8 o'clock. And I'm thinking, you know, I just need to call them and tell them, you know, I mean, I got a good excuse not to go to church. <laughs> you know, I just need to call them and tell somebody else to do this or whatever. And I was sitting there, and I thought, I knew something wasn't jiving. And I said, okay, Lord, what's up? <laughs> he said, you don't, you don't go because of who you are or what's happening. You don't stay away because of what's happened to you. You don't have the right to make that decision. You are a servant to that congregation. Now then, I'm using you, and you go and you serve those people. And I thought, well, Lord, I mean, you know, they'll understand. And he says, you don't even need to tell them. It's not about that. It's about you being faithful to me and going and serving that congregation. And so I said, okay. I went, showered, changed clothes, came, led praise and worship. We had an awesome service, preached the word of God, and went on. And I thought, man, and I felt encouraged then. Where I was feeling down and, and thinking, you know, what's going on and what's going to happen here and all this because I spent that night there in the emergency room. And, and I came away. I'm the one that got encouraged that day. I don't know if anybody else got anything out of that service or not, but I did. I needed to come. That's when I needed to come. My mama used to say when we were little, they didn't ever, I don't really remember going to the doctor except maybe when I was a teen we lived on the lake. I got a really bad ear infection one time. I think they took me. I barely remember that, but that's about it. And the other time, it was, they'd pray for you. And if you're really sick, then they took you to church so that they would lay hands on you and pray for you. That's when we really went. I've learned in my life, when I don't feel like going to church, that's when I need to go. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, you don't feel like going to church? Yeah, there's times. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, there's times that you just say, oh, man, or whatever, or maybe things are hitting you, and you just feel discouraged or overwhelmed, and you just get this feeling. That's when you need to bust down the doors and get there as quick as you can and hit your knees. When you don't feel like praying, that's when you need to pray. When you don't feel like fellowshipping, that's when you need to fellowship. You know, that's, that's what we need to control ourselves. We need to speak to ourselves, Paul says, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Who's in charge? Our body or our spirit? Our soul or our spirit? We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. Our spirit is to dominate and to govern and determine who we are and what we do. We're to be mighty in spirit. 
So he says there, again in verse 4, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others, plural. Verse 6, we have different gifts. Now notice this. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. So this grace, God gives us grace, and out of this grace comes a gift, and it's a motivational gift. It's how we're made up. It's how God, in, when he saw us before the foundation of the world, and he formed us and made us, he made a certain personality. He made a certain way that we look at things and determine things and, and what motivates us, what gets us excited and what doesn't and what angers us and what uh, you know, causes us to rejoice. You know, some people get angry over certain things that other people don't get angry over. And anger, if it's used in the right way, is good, right? The Bible says be angry and sin not. Sometimes you won't do anything about a certain situation until you get angry enough to do it. That's men for sure, right, ladies? Sometimes God, what, what frustrates you and what really causes anger in you, maybe that's what God's motivated you to change, when you see that happening, when you see somebody being abused or whatever, and that changes something, that doesn't mean that you go out here and do something stupid, but no, we, we're to be filled with the Spirit, led by Him, and do something that God directs us to do to change those things or to minister to those that are being hurt or abused or whatever it is that, that uh, is motivating you. So he says there in verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Here we see seven motivational gifts. Prophet, server, teacher, exhorter, giver, organizer, and mercy. Now, one of the things that's really confusing is this first one about prophet or prophecy because that gift is seen here in the motivational gifts. It's seen in the ministry gifts of Ephesians chapter 4 where he says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. We see it as an office gift, a ministry gift. We also see it as a manifestation gift in the form of prophecy. The motivational gift isn't, doesn't necessarily mean that that person is in the office of a prophet or always is used in the manifestation gift of prophecy. It just simply means that that's a way that looks at things. A pr prophecy is God speaking to man through man or women. So it's God speaking to us through us. Tongues, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter, 14, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, is for us, it's, it's speaking unto God. He who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks unto God, right? So that's for speaking unto God. But prophecy is when God then comes through a person, a man, let's say a man or a woman, and speaks then to us and lets us know something, right? Okay, so it is taking the word of God or, or what is right and making it known to others. And what, if a person has the motivational gift of prophet, it's pretty much that it's black and white. It's like, that's what God says. It's sin, kill it. <laughs> you know, that's not right, bam. You know, and that's not right. And it has to, we have to make that known. We have to make it known to others. That's not right. That's sin. Do away with sin. It's, it's for 
exhortation is for, it's for that, you know, cutting that off, okay? It's not right. Uh, so a prophet pr pretty much is one that helps us to expose sin and to, uh, to, to do what's right. A server is one that is, is doing that, is serving. A, a, a server would be one that would come in and, and see a particular need. In fact, let me, here's an illustration we used to use. I think Bill Gothard used this. Uh, it was talking about a person was, in, was hospitalized. They were in the hospital. So all these different gifts, the motivational gifts, go to the hospital to visit and to check out. So the server goes to visit the person in the hospital and says, oh, you know, just, you know, uh, we just want you to know we're here. Now, uh, what, what do we need to do? What can I do to help you? And, and they, bring, they bring some stuff, you know, books to read and some candy and chocolate and there to help straighten up stuff and fix the room and put the, the little flowers just right and, and wants to go by the house and straighten stuff up and and that's how they are fulfilled in serving the organizer comes in and says okay now while you're gone i've got people to come over to clean the house uh, we've got to talk to the doctors and stuff and got it all lined out blah 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 they got it all organized right that's the organizer some people can just organize they have that natural ability to organize Mercy comes in and just puts her head on the shoulder and just, oh, bless your heart, you know, and just love you. And, we just, and just sits there just to be with them and just to, just, to, just to be with them. Just to sit there and be with them and, and just share in that. Weep with those that weep, rejoice with those that rejoice. And just are there to, to share in that mercy. The encourager comes in and says, hey, man, you know, look, you're going to get over this thing. You know, you're going to come out of this thing better than what, what you were when you went into it, you know. And just exhort them, get them all encouraged and strengthened. The teacher comes in and says, now I've been reading up on this illness that you have, and I got it all figured out. You know, here it is, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and tells them everything about all the research that they did on this illness and the reason why they're in the hospital. The giver comes in and says, man, have you got insurance? <laughs> you got some way to cover this? And if not, they're going to figure out a way to get the money to help pay to get this thing taken care of. The prophet comes in and says, you got sin in your life? <laughs> is that why you're in here? Maybe you got sin in your life. Maybe we need to pray together and see if there's any sin in your life, why this has come upon you. Now, one-on-one, on one, maybe those gifts don't work so good together. They need some of the other members of the body to help balance them all out. You know what I'm talking about? Because the mercy would just completely overlook somebody and just accept anybody, right? They're the ones that take in stray dogs and cats and people and whatever, you know, and never know that maybe there's somebody that's taking advantage of them and they might need somebody with a prophetic motivation to say, look, they're taking advantage of you. That's not really right, you know. Look at their motive behind. They need that, that help. So all of these things function together, you know. The, the, the organizer is the person who walks in your house and straightens your pictures because <laughs> that was out of play. They can't stand it, you know. The server's the one that, you know, is walking through the church and sees a piece of paper on the floor and reaches down and picks it up and thinks, why didn't somebody else pick that up? Now, if they're not, if that gift is not really solid in the Lord, they could get mad at the 25 people that walked past that piece of paper and didn't pick it up. They could let that just annoy them so much. And, and you know, the giver might get upset because other people aren't giving to a particular need that needs, you know, it's there, it's plain. Why aren't anybody else giving to it, you know? And they sense that. It's just on their heart so much. So these are motivational gifts. It's what makes you tick. But the thing is, the good thing is, you might have a dominant motivational gift, but that's not only it. You might have a, a see, like you, um, you know, like you major in, in giving, but you might have a minor in mercy. Ooh, that'd be a bad combination, wouldn't it? Mercy giver, they'd just be broke all the time. <laughs> that'd be terrible. What you need is a, 
prophetic giver is usually how that works out good, you know, because they want to give to that need, but they're going to check it out and make sure that that's a good place to put that money. See how that works out? Amen, Wade. <laughs> that's why Wade oversees as a secretary of our finances on the finance committee. He watches it and makes sure that it's right and it's just and things are kept, kept up to order. Praise God for that. Is that right? Can I identify your needs? I think Wade's kind of a prophetic giver. <laughs> Is that right, Lisa? <laughs> but you know what? He's going to check it out and make sure, look, if we're going to sow seed here, then that seed's going to be in good soil. And we're not going to sow into somebody that's, you know, that's bad soil. And that's good. That's what you need. Now, that's an asset to the body of Christ. But we also need the mercies that, that say, look, though, let's give them a break. Give them a chance. God gives us a chance. You know, well, how many chances? Here's Peter is an example of prof, a prophet in the Bible, prophetic motivation. And he says, and Jesus says, well, forgive him. He says, well, how many times do I have to forgive him? Seven? Seventy times seven. See, John was the mercy. He's the example of the mercy. You know, you see John. Where's John? He's talking, he says, and he had his head on the breast of the Lord. <laughs> You know, he's just right there, just he's close, and, and, he's, and he'd always refer to himself in his writings as the one that loved the Lord. <laughs> you know? And he writes, all of his writings are about love, 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 love. John's gospel is different than all the other gospels. It's about love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you read about it, you know, and uh, greater love has no man than this, and all these things about love. Paul is the example of an exhorter. Oh, he's always telling us who we are in Christ, and we're the body of Christ, and I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. You know, so there's different examples that go through. Lydia, I think it's Lydia that's an example of the organizer, man. And Paul, uh, when he went there and began to establish a ministry, and she got things organized. It was in her home, and she got the church really organized the church and got things going. We need all members in the body, but we need them functioning. And when we all do our part, the body prospers. It grows and builds itself up in love as each member does its work. God blends us together. And what you'll find, the older you get, with more experience, you begin to develop these other gifts. We have some things we haven't handed out for a long time. I taught on this on Wednesday night a couple of years ago. But how you can identify your motivational gifts. Would that be something you think you'd like to do? It's a lot of fun. It's fun to know what somebody else's motivational gift is because then you realize, oh, well, no wonder they don't understand me. <laughs> no wonder we see things differently. It's okay to see things differently, right? Because when you're working in unity, if you're, you know, diversity is true unity. Diversity, when it works together, that's real unity. And so you want this broader picture. You know, the worst thing that a pastor can do is try to have uh, any type of committee or board or whatever with everybody that sees things the same way he sees things. What good is that? It's just yes men, right? You know, as we were putting the finance committee together, Charlie, he is an exhorter, but he's got some other characteristics a whole lot different than mine, and he makes good. And we said, we need Wade on here. Wade will be a great asset to this. And we know that, man, he'll check it out. I hate to go through books. I hate accounting. I just, I hate it. It just, I guess when I was in college and I had accounting, oh, I had a really bad experience. And I just, I just cringe thinking about stuff like that. But I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about it at all. It's all taken care of, you know. Those guys take care of it. When we, you know, have, like, in a sense, the guys that do certain things, our building committee and functioning as deacons, we want their opinion because of their experience and because they see things differently. If you get a lot of different viewpoints out here, somewhere in the midst of it, you're going to find God's will. 
because then we're able to do what his will is, his good, except on perfect will. When all of these things are working together right there, God says, here I am. But he doesn't specifically give one person the whole understanding to everything, or why would we need the body? Like Paul said, if everything were the eye, where would the hearing be? And if all were the ear, where would the, the, you know, the, the mouth be? So we don't want to be all the same. But that's what causes problems. That's why we go to church and, well, you know, I don't know about those people, you know. They're so much different than me. Well, praise God. It's like that one person said, well, I'm leaving. I'm going to go find the perfect church. Well, don't go. You'll ruin it. <laughs> if you find it, don't go. You'll ruin it for sure, you know. But we need everybody working together. But don't think of yourself, what do you say, more highly than you ought. Because a lot of times we think our opinion is right. Because that's how we see it. We believe that. That's it. That's the way it has to be. And what we don't realize is I have on yellow sunglasses. And Jeff has on red sunglasses. And Josh has on blue sunglasses. <laughs> Wade has on shades. I mean, you know, and so we're looking out there and say, man, you know, that's, that's pretty green. Out there. No, it's not. That looks gray to me looks blue to me looks red to me you know everybody's what everybody's right right but it's not right <laughs> because that's their own perspective so we need to say well wait a minute let's get a let's get a handle on this sometimes we have to come together not think of ourselves more highly than we ought that's just the way I think because that's the way I see things that's my motivational gift that's how I'm made up but let me learn something here let me submit myself because I'm a servant to the body. So let me submit myself then to the body and to how other people see this. And we'll find God's will in this thing. But what happens most of the time? We get mad and leave because everybody didn't see it the way we see it, right? Come on now, right? Church is split because of color of carpet. That's why we didn't put any carpet in here. <laughs> I'm just serious. But you know, I mean, people have, we're, we're funny because that's the way we see it and we want to be right. And, and boy, and if we're not surrendered to the Lord, we'll go down fighting for what we want. And is it really what you have to have? Or can you be submissive enough to like, okay, God, we want your will. What works out best? You know, I probably would have painted the walls a different color. If it had been me. But I don't care. What difference does it make? I think it's beautiful. I think it turned out great. And other people come in and pick out these colors. Like, That's awesome. I don't think I would have picked that. Well, aren't we glad that it's not just one person doing all that? I mean, it's a body together and combining things together. That's the way it is in Christ. And these are just natural things. If we can't get through stuff like this, how are we ever going to reach the harvest field? How are we going to, you know, when, we, when people begin to come in here of different walks of life and we've got all these different opinions about who they are and what they've been doing and what they're involved in, you know, how are they ever going to be engrafted into the church when we have those opinions? We've got to take our viewpoint, submit it then, and then use it to the strength of the body of Christ. Praise God. And then we'll do that as, as each member does its work. We grow and build ourselves up in love. You know, find out what you're good at, what, what you really, what you're sensitive to, and then allow the Lord to excel you in that particular area. Amen. Paul said, or Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, he says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. There's that manifold wisdom of God. 
faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Again, listen to it. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And if you're doing something, don't go around complaining. Well, you know, I had to do it again. It's only me. I had to go out there and what? Well, boy, you just lost your reward for that. Right? It ought to be a joy. Eddie used to come out. I heard someone down. What in the world? He's out there mowing the grass. I'm, what are you doing? Oh, man, I just want to come up and mow the grass. Like, are you serious? Yeah, man. I, and he's just happy doing it, just sweating. I'm like, I'm praying for him. He's going to have a heart attack or something. He's just smiling, and he wants some water. No, you drink the water. <laughs> you know, he's a server. He loves to serve. If you ever go with him, you go fishing, man. He's got, oh, you want a sandwich? You got, I got a Mountain Dew. I got a Dr. Pepper. I got a Diet Coke. I got a, just me and you, bud. What's up? No, oh, man, whatever you need. I got it. Let me, let, me, let, me hook, let me put that bait on your hook for you. Oh, thank you. I mean, he loves to serve, and that's a blessing. Amen. We got organizers, we got all kinds of things around, but that's what makes this body unique. And we need to realize that and realize, understand our part. And maybe not everybody, everybody in the church isn't gonna be like that. They're not gonna see things your way. They're gonna walk past paper that's thrown on the floor, that's dropped on the floor. They're gonna maybe not recognize those defaults in certain people and the sin in their life and try to crucify them, you know. Um, they might not be so organized and get everything done, but you know what? We're all members of the body. We're all accepted. And you know what? Let's discover what they are. And let's be who God's called us to be. I want to pray with this morning. I want to pray with you. And I just, let me just express my thanks for the opportunity to be a pastor of Light Christian Center. What a joy. What a thrill. We've got the best people on the face of the earth. I really believe that. You know, uh, my daughter, wanted, she's Alicia, the one that had tried to commit suicide. She's doing great now. Her, her and her girls are involved in Lakewood Church and just doing great. And she's asked me one time, Dad, why don't you just move from Alvin? <laughs> she doesn't like Alvin very much. She lives up in Houston. And I said, well, God put us here. Well, what's in Alvin? I said, I'm in Alvin. God's in Alvin. Like Christian Center's in Alvin. Uh, the people that God's assigned me to is in Alvin. And, you know, just can't understand, you know. Why would you want to be there? And there's, you know, I've got a mother-in-law that's in Topeka, Kansas. You better edit all this stuff out of here. <laughs> you know, that would love for us to come up there. We've had opportunities to take other churches. Well, why not? Because that's not what God's called us to do. That's not a job. It's not a job. Man, this is a family thing. This is part of a body. It's different. It's different. And when, when you find where God's called you and where he's placed you, it's not always easy. And it's not always you know, you're going to rub shoulders against somebody. Iron sharpens iron. This is where you grow. You know, sometimes our youth will have conflicts and stuff. That's okay. That's how they learn. We teach them the principles of God. And, you know, it's just like raising kids. They're going to fuss and fight, but they got to learn how to get along with people. you got to learn how to get along with people. And this is sometimes a proving ground. How are you ever going to get along with those people at work if you can't get along with your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ? And so it's not a mean that you just run someplace else anytime something doesn't go your way and throw a little pity party and say, I'm just going to run away. I told one of my kids one time, okay, run away. And I said, but those clothes you got on, 
Take those off. I bought them. I said, well, you can leave your underwear on, but the rest of it stay in here. Go on about your business. Go do what you need to do. <laughs> You're going to be on your own? You're going to be on your own. You know? I mean, sometimes we just want to run away and just have our way because not, it's not going our way. But people, think about that for a second. How immature is that? What do we do? We learn how to work together, live together, learn how to fellowship together. We learn how to be along, get along, and understand that we have different gifts. And, you know, Danny Red's not like me, and I'm, and I'm not like Danny Red. Praise God for that. But Danny Red and I together, we can put 10,000 to fly. I can put 1,000 to fly, but together we can put 10,000 to fly. See, we go to pray for somebody. If you'll notice, the Lord told me about four years ago, to lighten up, allow the body to come and begin to do stuff. Allow the body to begin. A lot of times I won't come out to pray for somebody. I'll allow the body to come out and pray for somebody. And, and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to move through the body, learning that the body is, functions together. But you know, when we're praying together, there's a lot of times that God will give insight to somebody else that he won't give to me. Why? To let me know I don't know everything. It's just like husband and wife. You know, God a lot of times will reveal things to Sandy that he won't re reveal to me, so I know I need her. And a lot of times God will reveal something to you that he won't reveal to me, so I know I need you. And other times he reveals certain things to me that he doesn't reveal to you, so you know you need me. And that's how it works. Nobody, nobody has it all. Nobody knows it all. But together we can discover the will of God and we can move forward. And I'll tell you what, people, we will change the world. That's how it works. So be who you, you're, you're designed to be. Realize that your part is as important as me standing behind this pulpit or Gabe on the keyboard or whatever. You are important. You have a purpose. Man, find it and say, okay, God, your grace is sufficient. Come on, pour it out. Pour it out. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your manifold wisdom, the many forms of wisdom how you can take such a diversity of personalities and talents that you've given to each one of us and place us together. You've called this body, placed this body together. Each member you call in. Father, there's people that, that need to be here that, that aren't here, and they're coming in. You've designed them to be here. Father, we just want to open ourselves up to you and hear your voice and begin to realize that you want to work through us. Father, all the sometimes natural abilities and certain trades and expertise that you give to people, uh, working those things through giving that to you and, and doing that, that's just as much a part of ministry and speaks just as much as some, what we would think is more of a spiritual aspect. There's all different parts of this body. And Lord, you just want to minister to people. And so, Lord, we're here. We present ourselves to you and speak to us fresh and anew, not just now, but, but when we go from this place. And Lord, when we're just going about our business and when we're seeking you, just speak to us and reaffirm who we are and what our motivation is and, and how we can use that for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're here this morning and maybe you're not sure that you're a, a child of God and you're not sure you're going to spend eternity with him, will you just raise your hand right now? We always want to make sure that we give opportunity for someone to, if you're not sure that you're a child of God, 
We don't want to miss eternity. Amen. Just hold your hand up again just real high. I think I saw that. Amen. And we have a couple over here. Just have some good ones come and pray. Maybe just hold your hand up one more time so we just see and pray for you. But you're not sure. You're not 100% sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. You need to know that. God loves you. He forgives you when you receive his son, Jesus Christ. That's the greatest thing on the face of the earth. Lord, thank you for this body. Thank you for what you're doing through Light Christian Center. Lord, I thank you for each member of this church. Lord, now you've given us assignment. And this is just the base, this is just the base of operation here within this auditorium, this church. When we walk out of those doors, that's the field of labor. That's when it starts. Father, we come in here to be be fired up and to be receive our fuel and our strength and our encouragement we walk out those doors now to get busy to get active into your service father to be a light that dispels darkness to shine to be an encouragement to those around to to rescue those that need rescuing father to be a help to those that are in need father help us to see a need and meet it help us to find a hurt and heal it help us to be a light that dispels darkness now in jesus name amen god bless you Get up, come shake your hand if you don't haven't met these people today. God bless you.